I was born in St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver on May the 14th, 1943. So I am now 79 years old. So um, my parents uh, lived in Vancouver, then they moved to Duncan. I barely remember that because I was just little and we moved to Galliano Island when I was two. And there's a few things that have stuck in my memory. One was um, a really big earthquake that we had here, I think in BC, it was seven point something. And everything shook and rumbled, nothing fell down, but my dad always believed the houses that caught on fire after that had the mortar shaken out of the chimneys as they were always chimney fires that burnt houses down. And our house burnt down at one time. So at two years old, I arrive here and it's wilderness. <laughs> very, very logging community, small community. I think the population didn't change much for years, which was just over 300. And almost all of the workers were logging, including my dad. And it was uh, a, t a tough go, but um, they made a living. And my mom and dad were both born in the Gulf Islands, so they knew how to survive. My mom was born in the bush on Salt Spring. Well, not in the bush, in a house, in a, an isolated area. My dad was born on Main Island, and they met in Stanley Park at the tennis court one day. <laughs> and my dad fell head over heels in love with my mom, and that, the rest is history. So here we are back in the Gulf Islands, but not Salt Spring and not Maine. On, now we're on Galliano. And they struggled. My dad struggled. Everybody struggled to survive over here. It wasn't easy to get here to begin with. We had one little store and a very, very, very little medical help. There was a lady who was an actual registered nurse. Betty Schoons was her name. She became Betty Stewart later in life. But she was the only one with a little black box that might have medicine in it if something happened. And there was a lot of home <laughs> medical things from the past, like iodine. <laughs> Just the thought of it right now makes me shiver. If you got a cut, the first thing my mom would do is put iodine on it and it went red and it felt like it was on fire. Then my parents, when the logging subsided, my parents bought a piece of property right in Sturdy's Bay. And it was a, an Englishman's mansion. It was three stories high. It was huge, uh, beautiful and exciting as a kid to live in. I have a brother who's four years older than me, Don, and oh, we could have all kinds of adventures in that building and loved it. 
And my parents started taking in boarders to make a living. Uh, sometimes there was a, a school teacher. There might be somebody doing something on the island that needed a place to stay and a meal. And so my mom started making money like that. Dad was still struggling with logging and bought quite a bit of property because in that era, the Powell River Company owned probably 80% of the island. So if you didn't own the land, you couldn't log it. So dad bought a couple of big pieces of property, which had no value at all when it came to real estate, because nobody was coming to live here unless they were a logger. So that era ended when our house burnt to the ground one day. Um, chimney fire, just like my dad predicted. And it burnt to the ground in about two hours. It was gone with everything we owned in it. And on the property that my parents owned, there was an old log cabin that was built by the Englishman that built the mansion. His last name was Elveston, and it was a dirt floor. It was just a log cabin. It was probably a hobby for him, but it's where we had to a roof over our head, and we lived there for years. No running water, no electricity, just a wood stove and a basin. <laughs> and it was a tiny cabin. My brother and I, Dad built bunks for us. So we had one tiny bedroom and mom and dad had one tiny bedroom and the rest was just living area. No fireplace at that point. And but it was always fun. Never felt hard done by. Uh, we played games. There was no electricity. It was all coal oil lamps. And we always had chickens and a cat and games, whether they were things that we made up ourselves or card games, game games, and hobbies. My brother's hobby was making forts with our neighbors that were the Bambricks. They lived where the parking lot for the ferry is now located, that their house was torn down and when tourism started happening, and they needed more space for the ferry people. My best friend, Tim Bambrick, it was our challenge to sneak up on our brothers and see what they were doing, because they always seemed to be doing something really exciting. Our imaginations were rampant in every way. <laughs> we could create scenarios, no TV, not even a radio. <laughs> It makes your, your mind work for you. And it was fun. Never felt bored. Never felt hard done by. Always laughter in our home. And never heard my parents arguing or feeling sorry for themselves. They were always just getting by. And my mom was a fabulous cook. We had a lot of beans. Uh, there was venison. Salmon, grouse, that's all gone now. Well, there's still some venison, but 
not like it used to be. And the salmon apparently are gone and definitely the grouse are gone. And there were pheasants in our field. We had a big field, but they didn't last long either. That's some of the things that have changed. It's sad to think that the fishing industry has depleted so badly, but it has. And yeah, I guess we don't need to eat salmon anymore. My brother and I grew up on so much salmon, even if it was on a menu now, I wouldn't order it. We got absolutely <laughs> sick and tired of salmon. <laughs> My parents rebuilt that lodge and created um, what my dad called a botel. It was set up like a motel with one big building and one side had five cabins. They're small, uh, but with a bathroom. And the other side had seven, so 12 cabins and it was called the Galliano Lodge. So dad went from being a logger to being a resort owner. And on just another huge challenge trying to get people to come here. And he did everything he could, getting in touch with people that wrote in the Vancouver newspapers, sports columns, to try and bring people to Galliano. And it was almost unheard of to come here as a tourist. When I left Galliano, I was 12 because there was no high school here. And I didn't live at home again, uh, only summers and long weekends like Christmas and Easter. I had moved to Vancouver and became a Vancouverite and loved it. And then I got married and I moved to Prince George and hated it. <laughs> that was 1965, um, stayed there, for a couple of years, then ended up in Kamloops. I had my daughter, Lori, in Prince George, and my second daughter, Kim, in Kamloops. And then I was craving to get back to the coast. Just the smell of the ocean and the trees, the flora and fauna, and my parents and my brother. So we ended up in Victoria. I lived there for 40 years. I was an at-home mom for many of those years. And then I went back to work for BC Hydro and I worked there for 25 years and retired just when my dad had passed away. Uh, he died two days after 9-11. He was 91 and his heart was broken and his body was shutting down and he, he passed. And I was retiring uh, December 31st, 2001, and I had to come and take care of my mom. She, she was 90. They'd been living independently here right up to the, their 90s, which is just astounding. And um, my mom was run down. She was worn out because dad had not been able to do much for quite some time. And I realized that I was going to have to come and help her. I, ne I never planned to move back to Galliano. 
it wasn't, I loved Victoria. I loved my house in Victoria, but it happened that she needed me. And so I moved back here in 2001 and I took care of my mom for six years as a caregiver, full time, 24 seven. And she lived to be 96. And I was with her when she passed, and she passed in her home, just like Dad did. And one of the things I know that I see happening is the elders, um, There, we have Page Drive here where elders can go stay and live economically, but it's very small. And some elders have different situations, and the children can't or don't want to come and live here. When an elder gets put into one of those homes off Galliano, they lose their identity and they get forgotten because it's difficult with the fairies and whatnot. You can't just phone up and say, I'm coming for coffee, put the kettle on, they're gone. And they might live for a week or years in those homes, but they're, they're gone. And it's really sad. I, I, was, I was definitely tested be, being my mom's caregiver because I couldn't leave her. She was healthy and she had a bit of dementia. But other than that, uh, the home care help that I got from the government was absolutely amazing. And the doctor at the time, he was Dr. Beaver, and he was very supportive. And I had three hours a day of respite. And I found all the hiking trails on Galliano. And if I hiked for three hours every day, I would come back refreshed and ready to cook dinner. Well, my mom passed away at 96, and I was left here uh, in the home that my parents built, which I love, but I, I, my brother and I co-inherited it, and it's a farm. It's a little mini farm, and we're growing. My parents always grew their own food and had chickens and whatnot, and I had to make a decision. I had, I had to sell my house in Victoria because I couldn't take care of two places. It was driving me insane trying to look after this. And then I had to have somebody be with my mom all the time. It got to be a lot of organizing and bookkeeping. And <clears throat> so this became my home. My brother said he would let me stay here. We came up with a price and I, I bought the property. And here I am. Now I sort of feel like it's time for me to go back to the city because I really am, uh, I suffer from the tourism. I'm right, like I say, I'm in Sturdy's Bay and people come down my road. I've got signs up everywhere. They're either stupid or blind, maybe both, because um, they still end up in my backyard. And it's not that they're being disrespectful. They think the whole island is a park. And my place looks like a park. 
because it's wild and I have a pond and it's beautiful. And no, it's not a campsite and it's not an Airbnb. So I've been looking at houses back in Victoria, but realizing I can't ever get what I have here. So I think I'm going to be like my mom and stay here until I die. My mom and dad both died in this house, and there's a good possibility that I might too. I'm totally healthy. I expect to party on for quite a bit longer, um, but I'm staying here. And I'm just going to have to counsel myself regarding the tourism. I don't think I'm the only one that feels this way. We all feel this way, except the money makers. So I don't go driving on the roads on the long weekends like this weekend. And I, I do love watching the boats going through Active Pass. And it's never ending. There's always something happening in my front yard to look at. <laughs> The sun comes up in my living room and it goes down in my jungle room. Uh, and I don't even have uh, any kind of solar heat. Uh, the house just heats itself up. It's all wood. It's a uh, very West Coast. And what I'm realizing, looking at the houses for sale in Victoria, everything's white and boring. And they want $3 million for white and boring. <laughs> no, I think I'll just hold my ground here. <laughs>